0: Last week, I was sitting in my office minding my own business when I got an email, and I opened it up, and it said, Sean, when you get your Christmas lights untangled, I have a job for you, and this picture was attached to it. Oh, like I had, my body had a visceral reaction when, when I saw that. And, and it's it's funny, I wish I would have saved this. I went to save that picture and, and there was a little notification that popped up and said, sorry, there was a problem with this image. And I'm like, I know, right? Like that image is horrible. We are in week two of our series, Untangling Christmas. And while we are not going to help you untangle your Christmas lights or your ornament hooks, we do want to help you untangle the craziness around this time of year so that you can set your heart and your mind on Jesus, the thing that matters most, not just this time of year, but every part of the year. I encourage you this week to take some time and and, and try to find Quiet moment to to read through maybe the Christmas account in Luke chapter one and and two. Uh, maybe get, get out with your family. Something that we love to do is just drive around town and check out all the Christmas lights. And, and our go-to person for the best places in town to check out is Tim Bedwell, who does our, our, our video uh, production here. And Tim, this year, uh, I think just got tired of being our own consular, And so he put together a map to share it with everyone. And so he has these places all around town where, where people have decorated their houses with lights and you can get out your phone and scan this QR code if you want to download that map and kind of go on a tour of Bloomington. Thank you, Tim Bedwell. Shout out to you for putting that together, man. Yeah. And then, of course, as Quentin talks about, make time on Friday or Saturday. Join us for one of our Christmas Eve services. I'm really excited about. Uh, kind what we have planned. Just a, a, a nice simple service that uh, I think you and your family will really find, find meaningful. So join us for one of those. And then next Sunday morning we will have one worship gathering at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. That's right. And it is a BYOC event. Bring your own coffee. Bring your own coffee. A lady first service thought that that meant bring your own communion. We will have communion. Uh, But bring your own coffee. We're just kind of giving all of our volunteers. It takes a lot of people to make a Sunday morning worship gathering happen. And we just want to bless them and say, hey, Merry Christmas. Uh, And so bring your own coffee. Come join us as a family uh, for worship on next Sunday. All of this. All of this is to help us untangle Christmas from the chaos of the season and set our hearts on Advent, which is what we want to do this morning. So, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to our text today, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And if you use the analog version of a Bible, uh, flip over towards the end of Luke to chapter 24. And kind of put a finger in there as well. We're going to land there a little later. Luke chapter 1 and chapter 24. The word word Advent is an ancient Latin word. uh, Kind of a combination, mashup of two words. Uh, The the ad, Latin for to. uh, Vent, Latin for come. To come. And So the Advent season is a time for us to remember God coming to us through Jesus. We look back to Jesus' first coming, but but Advent is not just about a time of looking back. Advent is also a time to look forward to when Jesus will come again. And in between, like as we wait from the the, the what happened and what will happen, while we wait for that next Advent, we we remember and we celebrate all of the things that Jesus brought with him at that first advent and that he continues to bring in our lives today. Things like love and joy and peace. And today we're talking about hope. We hear words of hope in our text today when the angel comes to Mary with this beautiful announcement. Look at it with me, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary communicates in verse 38 that she is ready and willing to do her part in ushering in the Lord's Messiah, the, the, God's plan in, in bringing salvation and redemption to his people. She knew the magnitude of this moment and what it meant, not just for her, but also for her people. And we, and we see that, that she knows the magnitude because the song that she sings a little bit later in chapter one, she knows what this is going to do, the hope that it is going to bring. And we catch a, hope, a glimpse. Of, of what Israel's hope was in and what Israel's hope was for in verse 32. Go back up and, and look. Second part of 32. It says, The Lord God will give him, Jesus, the Messiah, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The nation of Israel had been living underneath the stifling control of the Roman Empire. It was incredibly oppressive. And the coming of the Messiah brought hope that that it's not always going to be this way, that things are about ready to change. They believed that the Messiah would come and sit on David's throne, which was this picture of power and might and strength and victory. That he would restore Israel to its glory and vanquish all of their enemies. And now here comes Jesus who all signs is pointing to this is the one. He is the Messiah. And they start to believe and get excited that all of their hope is finally going to be fulfilled in him. Then fast forward to the end of Luke's gospel. Chapter 24. And you find people wondering if they got it all wrong about Jesus. If they had put their hope in the wrong one. And so Sunday after the crucifixion, and all hope seems to be gone, we pick it up in verse 13. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside of them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk around? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things? He asked About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. You can hear the disappointment In their words, can't you? They had hoped that Jesus, the Messiah, would rally the troops, bring up an army to defeat Rome. They had hoped that that he would lead this revolt against the oppressive taxes that could have been up to 80 to 90% of their income. They had hoped that the Messiah would have brought justice and freedom for them. They had hoped for all of these things, but instead, just a few days earlier, they had watched as that hope was crucified to a cross, and their hopes were dashed. Have you been there before? Verse 17 says that their faces were downcast. Man, I know what that looks like, because I've seen it in myself. They were disillusioned and disappointed. Maybe you've been there. You're there right now this morning. You had hoped that this would finally be the year for some change in your life, but now you sit here and you look back and you realize that ah, it's just the same as it was last year and it's just the same as it was the year before that. You had hoped that by now that relationship that that has just been this constant source of strife for you would have come to some kind of resolution and healing, and yet it feels like there's just more brokenness and distance between you than there ever has been. You had hoped that this would be the year after a couple of years of all of your family plans being wrecked by COVID and the different variants. You were excited that this would finally be the year that everyone was going to be able to get underneath one roof again. And then the stinking triple dimmick hits (laughs) and you don't know what it's going to look like. All of us know what it's like to feel disillusioned, disappointed. We are familiar with the Confusion and sadness that we feel when something or someone that we put our hope in has let us down. And that's where these guys are as they walk this road to Emmaus. And what I love is that is that Jesus, Jesus sidles up right next to them. He doesn't walk past them, he doesn't walk behind them, he doesn't criticize them, he walks with them in their disappointment. And despair. It's a journey that many of us have walked, and we don't know where to turn, what's going on, what's next. And in the same way that the resurrected Jesus would eventually renew and restore their hope, I believe that Jesus continues to bring hope into our disappointment and despair. He continues to come and walk alongside of us in those moments too. And that doesn't mean that our situation is just going to change. It's not going to happen. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficult times. We, we will. It means that we have an anchor for our soul when the world around us feels like it is falling apart, when it feels hopeless and chaotic. And so what is hope? In, in, in our culture, hope is defined as a, as a couple of different things. Hope can be defined as wishful thinking. I, I, I hope that I get that Christmas bonus. I hope that I get that gift that I've been leaving hints all around for. <laughs> I hope that we will have a white Christmas, or I hope that we won't have a white Christmas. Um, I think we're going to, all right? So if you're putting your hope that we won't, sorry to tell you, I think it's coming. Hope can be positivity, this blind optimism that, that things are just going to be better. I don't know why they're going to get better. I just believe that they're going to. And those things aren't bad, it's just that they are not anchored in anything other than our aspirations. And that's not how Scripture uses the word hope. I like how John Mark Comer defines it. He says, hope is the expectation of coming good based on the promise of God. Our hope is based on something and someone more than wishful thinking and positive vibes. Our hope is anchored firmly in Jesus and what or who your hope is anchored in makes all the difference in the storms of life. On April 15th, 1865, Abraham Lincoln died after being shot by John Wilkes Booth at the Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. Eight days later, On a Sunday morning, Philip Brooks stood up to preach at Holy Trinity Church in Boston. And as he stood there looking at his congregation, he felt just as bewildered and lost as they did. President Lincoln laid in state in Boston on that morning. And his mind was there. People's mind is a nation. People were still reeling from his assassination. And for the first time in a long time, things in the country had just started to feel hopeful again. They just started to look like they were moving in the right direction. And that hope was quickly replaced by fear and grief and uncertainty, by disillusionment and despair. And shortly after Lincoln's death, Brooks began a year-long sabbatical eager to exchange his fears for hope. A few months into his sabbatical on Christmas Eve, Brooks found himself in Jerusalem. And as darkness descended on that evening, he mounted a horse and rode from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. A journey of about five to six, seven miles would have taken him about an hour. And as he rode through the fields, he was struck by the thought that these were the same fields where angels had appeared to the shepherds all of those years ago. And he imagined that it was a night much like that evening. It was silent. It was peaceful. And that experience led Brooks to later write one of the most beloved Christmas carols of all time, a song that celebrated the birth of Jesus for bringing light into the darkness of this world. He would write, "A little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight love that last line, all of the hopes, all of our fears come crashing and meeting at Jesus. Our hope is firmly anchored in Him. The one who is able to transform our fears and our disappointments and our despair. But how does he do that? I just want to quickly give you three promises that I hold on to that give me hope when it kind of feels like I'm walking around in darkness. First, I have hope because one day Jesus will return and make all things new. The language of Revelation is that he will wipe away every tear from our eye, That there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That he will right every wrong. He will restore what sin has broken. As followers of Jesus, our our hope is that we are able to to look at the resurrection and and see through it to our own resurrection. Our, Our hope is that we are able to look past the horizon to a light that is breaking The promise of daybreak gives us the strength and the courage to walk through the darkness that this is not how it's always going to be. Second, I have hope because Jesus is with us in our suffering. Whatever comes or whatever doesn't come that we desired, Man, we are not alone. He is still Emmanuel. He is still God with us and nothing can change that. He is with you in your suffering. He is with you in those quiet moments where a memory from the past pops up and and just haunts you again, brings up this rush of regret that you feel afresh. He is with you in your longing for a family child, a grandchild. He is with you as you mourn the loss of someone that you love, as you mourn the loss of a dream that maybe you held on to. He is with you in the midst of those. Jesus is with you and his presence can give you hope that even though the road that you walk on right now may feel incredibly lonely, you are not alone. And finally, I have hope because I believe Jesus will bring good to our mess, (laughs) even those messes that I make myself. (laughs) Jesus can redeem and renew and restore all things, and he will bring good out of the pain in this world and in my life. Our hope as followers of Jesus is not that bad things won't happen to us. They will. Our hope is that no matter what happens to us, we are not alone. And Jesus will bring something beautiful out of our brokenness. That our kind and loving and compassionate and gracious Heavenly Father will work all things together for the good of those who love Him. That's the hope that was ushered in at that first Advent And it is the hope that we get to live with until the second. Our hope is that one day Jesus will return to make all things new. That in the meantime, meantime, he walks with us and we are not alone. And that one day good will come in this life or in the next. The invitation of Advent is to set our hearts on Jesus, who brings hope into our disappointment and despair. And our hope gets tangled up in so many different things. We we want to attach our hope to politics and say, man, if we can just get the right people or the right policies, then, then our country will be saved, our world will be saved. But I'm telling you, politics and politicians make horrible messiahs. We put our hope in relationships, and we think, if I can just have this person in my life, or or if we could just be closer, then all of my problems would go away. But I'm telling you, other people make horrible messiahs. You think, if this could just happen, if I could just get that break, if things could just go my way this one time, then man, life would be better. But I'm telling you, events and circumstances make horrible messiahs. So instead, may our hearts be anchored fully in the hope of Jesus, the one true Messiah. May we take all of our hopes and our fears, even our disappointments, to him. And may we be able to say with Mary, whatever comes our way, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I had hoped that my prayer would be answered by now. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I had hoped for just one more Christmas together. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I had hoped that my suffering would finally be over. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. In the midst of all your hopes and your fears, your disappointments and despair, may Paul's prayer in Romans 15:13 cover you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit amen thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church did you know you can view any message from the past 6 years at socc.org/messages you can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv